Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Brian with my co-host Ben Brandell. Welcome into another Tuesday episode. This is actually going to be our fifth and final episode in our Evolution versus Creation series. That's sad. That's been fun. It has been so much fun. Um, kind of weight lifting just because this has been something that has been on our hearts to share. So to sit down on the mics and get it off and know that a lot of people are listening, getting a lot of downloads on them, it feels really good. It feels really good. I hope that God has been speaking truth through us, um, impacting his kingdom. That's really our desire. Yeah. What do you mean? What you mean by getting it off your chest or your back is that there has been a weight Mm -hmm. on us of, we really need to share this information. And now that we've done it, it is freeing. Right. Well, it don't feel good yet. We have one more. We got to get this one out. One more to get through for sure. Yeah. So hopefully we do a Decent job sharing the truth in this one. Uh, We do plan for this to be the final unless God puts something on our hearts and on our minds to share between now and the next time that we record. But this topic today, we are talking about anthropomorphism. And probably a couple people out there asking questions. One, what the heck is that word? Or if you do know what that word is, how does this relate to evolution versus creation and we hope to explain both of those things very clearly to everyone but let's start with what what does the word mean and let's break it down uh, the root anthro means human or human-like and, and morphism means form so it literally is giving human form or human-like characteristics to things that are not human right it could be a statue it could be food it could be a car a house we're going to talk a lot about animals because they are not humans, but we give so much human form and human characteristics to them. But what we really want to cover today is uh, the dangers of that and why it really isn't true. Why do we do it? Why do we have these tendencies? Um, What is the root, biblically, of anthropomorphism? And then what are the dangers? What does this mean for uh, our salvation? Yeah, so defining it like you were talking about, Um, Oxford defines it as the attribution of human characteristics or behavior to a god, animals, or object. And then we get into um, Wikipedia. I thought, I want to get another source just to see here. And it's the attribution of human traits, emotions, or intentions to non-human entities. So even in the definition, it already states non-human. So we we should understand the difference between human and everything else that's non-human in that definition. But before we get started, I do want to share that we love you, everyone listening. We truly love you. As we get into this topic, you may feel like you might disagree with some of the stuff that we are about to share. Um, There was a point in time where when Brian and I were talking through this, um, Brian and I were kind of at maybe different viewpoints in the beginning of of researching and and looking into what this truly is. But by the end of it, you know, we truly come together and and what we're about to share could offend some people, truly offend them because they've, they've lived their entire lives under this mindset, under this thought, under this lifestyle. And I just want, I hope that you listening... Even if you disagree with us, 
that you would listen to the entire podcast. Listen all the way through. And then after you're done listening, you can form your own opinions. Go to your own research. But please listen to it all the way through before saying, you know what, I don't believe this, I'm out. Right. And I want to make the point, and anybody that, that knows me on a, a personal level is going to know I'm an animal person. Yeah. I love animals. I have worked with, I, I believe, I say over 50 species, I haven't counted exactly, and I've loved, I've loved all of them. Some of them have, I've had to learn to love, but I've loved all of them. I've loved learning about them. I love working with them, caring for them, everything from uh, hissing cockroaches to, to cattle and elk and bison and everything in between. I love animals. I have animals now, chickens and dogs, and we've had fish, and I personally have had cows and horses and, and pheasants and all of these animals. I love animals. I love wildlife. I love deer. I love turkey. I love quail. I love making sure that the land is nurtured for them to have better lives. You love animals. I love animals. <laughs> However, I love people more, and there is a very distinguishable line between people, humans, and all animals. And that's the kind of line that we want to draw and make here today because there is a lot of blurring of those lines from our children's books and movies to extreme activist groups in our country. There is a blurring of those lines. And and I want to refer straight up right here at the beginning to the Bible use God's words to explain that we should care and love our animals. We should. God tells us this multiple times over and over again in all kinds of different books in the Bible, but a few I want to share. Uh, first two are going to be out of Proverbs. The first one is Proverbs 12.10. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. And this proverb is basically saying that if you are a righteous person, if you are living correctly, then you care, you have regard for the life of your animals. Whether it's pets or, or livestock, you aren't cruel to them. And if you are somebody who is cruel to you, then God is literally indicating here that the mercy of the wicked is no better than the cruelty of the wicked compared to God's mercy. The second verse I want to share here is Proverbs 27, 23. And it states, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. He's really making the point here, we should be aware of the condition of our animals, and we should care for them. If, if they're sick, then give them attention. If we're going to neglect what he gave us, whether it's property, your, your house, your land, or it's your animals, then God is, is not pleased. It's not pleasing for him to neglect what he's given you. It is a gift. It's a blessing. He has every right to take all that stuff away, too. Right. And you'd think he's going to be happier and lean more towards letting you keep and have these things if you're giving love, care, and attention to them when they need it. Yeah, going back to the creation account, which we've covered, if you're just tuning in to your first podcast on creation versus evolution, we would love for you to go back, listen to all of them in order. Um, but the creation account, as we get into when, when Adam was placed in the garden, God really asked Adam to name the animals. He he gave a task of naming these animals. It's, it's a part of what we're still doing today as mankind. We're right. giving names to animals. But humans, looking back through all of history, all the way even to 2023 today, the year of 
humans give almost everything a name now. So right. when we look at storms, you know, all of our hurricanes, we as humans, we've got to give them a name. Right. Got to have a, a name. And it isn't a name called a hurricane. It's going to be a human name. Right. You know, we go through the alphabet A to Z and we give them human names. Um, you know, animals. Adam was naming the animals, naming them deer, naming them cow, frog. Yeah. Not Bill the deer. Bill the deer, yeah. Sherry the hey, cow. Hey, Bill's here today. Yeah, they, right. It was group, group names. Groupings. Right. So, you know, today we as humans, we we give names to a lot of things. That begins to get into really our, our main discussion is anthropomorphism. Is it okay? Is it okay for Brian to, to name his dog, cat, owl, the deer outside? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? And what do we do about it? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing in the the line in the sand to draw is humans should be more valued than pets. So I'm going to say, yes, it is okay to give your pet a name. I have chickens that have names. Right. It's okay to give them a name, but the second that you start to value their life anywhere even close to a human's, now there's an issue. And, and, and God even makes that clear. I mean, the first two verses I've read, pretty well show that he wants us to care for them, but he hasn't really drawn the line in the sand yet that <laughs> you're you're more than these animals. But Matthew 6, 26, Ben, if you want to share that, this is a very, very well-known verse. Most Christians know this verse because it gives us this peace that he's going to care for us. But we can also take from that, we have more value than animals. Do you care to share? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Right. Are you not, not right? He, he's he's kind of asking this rhetorical question, like, aren't you more valuable than these birds? He's literally telling people right now, you are more valuable than animals. You are. You have a soul that is either destined for heaven or for hell. These animals are not going to be subject to that judgment. And this is where anthropomorphism gets so dangerous because we start to believe that because of evolution and because we've all come from these single cells that we've all evolved, that we all have these same emotions and these same feelings that we're just like other animals. And that isn't true. The Bible can see that. And really, most people, if you look around, and you look at animals, can see that as well. So what does living in this world of anthropomorphism, what does applying too much anthropomorphism to our lives and to our animals, what does it do? What does it lead to? You know, some people may may push this off and be like, not a big deal, not a huge deal. So I hope that as we go through here, we're explaining more and more why it can be a big deal. Mm -hmm. And at the root of this anthropomorphism, it truly is a, a worship to an idol. You're putting something above really our God, the right. creator, and then also is, is at times putting it above humankind, mm-hmm. right? But I truly believe that it's okay to love and care for your pets and your animals. We should be. Brian just made it clear that we, God had gave us dominion over these animals to care for them. It's our responsibility. Yeah. He basically says, I, I can tell the, the, the goodness of your heart and your righteousness by whether you're caring for your animals right, or not. Right, right. But no animal should ever, ever, ever be placed above a human being, period. Shouldn't be. But there's two views here. So when we're talking about anthropomorphism, we're talking about humans as animals or animals as humans. So we have this this 
back right. and forth here, right? Well, it, we it's so prevalent in our culture, Ben. Here's just a couple examples that right. Give us some examples that of, we use all the time. Right. You and I use these. You and I have said these. We hear people that are Christians that say these. It's just so prevalent that we say it over and over again. Mother Nature. Yeah. Yeah. A human form and thought to to nature. Right? Well, to that's creation. like that's like Charlie the Hurricane's coming in. I mean, right. a hurricane has no idea that it's Charlie. No, yeah. there's no cognitive thought. A, a hurricane has no cognition at all. How about Father Time? Mm. <laughs> you know. What about Brother Jukebox? Brother Jukebox. <laughs> Sister Wine. Yeah, yeah. We, that's the whole song's about. Right. It's it's anthropomorphizing these things, and we have you ever heard somebody re- refer to an animal is smiling or crying? They're not. They may have eyes that are, are running, or they may have, some people refer to their dogs, uh, little crusties around their eyes as, as eye boogers, but your dog isn't weeping. It, it, isn't, it isn't crying. Um, we, we, we talk about um, familial, family relationships amongst animals so often, talking about mother animals knowing they're young and you know what they usually do for a very short amount of time and then they grow up and most of the time a lot of times they'll actually interbreed Mm -hmm. because they don't understand they don't have this definition of family like we do they just don't then i asked you uh off mic said how many eggs does a female bass lay i I don't even remember the number but it's like Tens and tens of thousands, a hundred thousand or whatever, and then she has all these tiny little half-inch fry swimming around. Do you think she know? Does she recognize those as her kids? She doesn't because you know what they do. You know what the mother bass? We'll call her the mother bass. That's probably anthropomorphic. Do you know what that bass does to the fry? I do. <laughs> she turns around. And she eats them. Yes, if they yes if they don't eat, get big enough, get out of there. She eats them at the I end. I mean, yes. So to give any human, he, no humans are going to do this. So to start treating these animals like they have the cognition and the thought of these animals. Yeah, I mean, there's birds that really lay right. lay eggs in other other birds' nests. And let them raise them. And let them raise them, and that bird doesn't kick them out and be like, I don't know who you are. Right. <laughs> you don't belong here. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's, what is happening today? You know, I, you are kind of making this, this case that, um, and I want to be gentle on this because I do know that people truly care for their pets. And, and I'll get into dog and cats. I mean, dog and cats, it's a billion dollar, trillion dollar industry mm-hmm. for, for pets. But um, we are talking to, to those two that, that love their dogs, love their cats, love their As animals. As do we. We do. So where's the line and what does that look like? And, you know, anthropomorphism is, is happening so much in our world. Almost every Disney movie, you know, 101 Dalmatians, as you're talking about some of that, I was thinking of 101 Dalmatians. I was thinking about what what are my kids watching today in 2023? Um, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, that was around when I was growing up. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but Sonic the Hedgehog has come back again, and they're making new movies. There's like two or three out now that my son's been watching. Sonic the Hedgehog is an example of anthropomorphism. <laughs> Am I saying that right? So is so is. Well, isn't Pokemon? Isn't Sonic like a? He's like an alien hedgehog. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah. From here, but not from here. He's from right. That 
the video games is where this all started. So Sonic the Hedgehog was a video game, loved him, okay? Yeah. He was awesome. But now we hit the movie scene, and we've turned him into this kind of this human form that he's walking, talking, running. But yeah, he is an alien from some outer space somewhere, and he and he to, to jump time and to get it to Earth. My point, though, is that let's even get into Pokemon. My son and all his friends are loving Pokemon, and I've had to learn Pokemon. I haven't learned how to play the game, the actual card game, Never learned how growing up, but I want to engage with my kid. I want to know what they're playing. I want to know what this is. Now we're even playing video games of Pokemon. Each Pokemon has a name and a human, beginning to get into human characteristic. It's it's this, we're, we're making them as if they're humans, and these trainers train them up, um, build this relationship with them that they kind of work together, and guess what? These animals start evolving. They truly evolved. So we've learned last time about what evolution is. I'm going to tell you what evolution fits perfectly in the world of Pokemon. I mean, it, it. what you find in Pokemon is what scientists are talking about today. But it's all made up. It's all make-believe. It's all a video game. It's all a card game. And so it works there. But when we take it out and we bring it into this world, world, real world that you and I are living in, we have to be so careful now about turning these animals into humans. Yeah, so what what does using or applying anthropomorphism, what are some things that it, it starts to lead to is really the question. And for me, as a biologist, I'm going to tell you that it so often leads to very inaccurate understanding of biology. I mean, <laughs> I've seen videos online of these white-tailed fawns running up to humans, and as they get there, they, they cower down. And the, these these fawns are, you know, just a few days old. Well, what's actually happening is their eyesight is poor and they see a figure that's about the size of their mom and they go running up to it. And then as soon as they get there and realize that it's not their mom, they go into their instinct of slamming down onto the ground just into hiding protection mode. Yet you have the humans going, oh, this thing ran up to me. It wanted to be petted and get loved on. Well, no. As humans, when we, a human runs up to another human, it's usually like in this, hey, how you doing? Or if it's, if there's emotion there, there's a, a hug, maybe even a kiss, an embrace. But that's not what this animal is doing. It's complete misunderstanding of the biology of, of this deer. Another example would be we so often talk about emotions of animals. Mm -hmm. But then you actually look at the brain stu structure of these animals, and they don't even have, they have very under, underdeveloped or lack the brain structure to even display emotion or cognition we're not understanding the biology of this animal they cannot even possibly do what we are saying that they are doing or feeling because they don't have the biological pieces to make it happen so my daughter's four and it's be kind of becoming an, an evening ritual that i get down on my all fours and i walk around like a horse and so i'm called spirit because Spirit is a movie she's watched, and it is about um, a horse that's a wild horse that um, gets caught. And the whole point of the movie is that people are trying to, to steal this horse. And the girl of, of the cartoon gets to kind of take care of this horse and kind of be in charge of this horse, even though it's still wild. And that's what my daughter loves about it. But... Because I've been crawling around so much as this spirit and, and playing and interacting with her, I, I've watched the movie now, and I've seen the movie three or four times. And we have put so much human emotion into this horse that 
it almost becomes real. Like my daughter perhaps could think that spirit truly does want to do what it feels it wants to do. For instance, in the movie, Spirit the horse runs to the train and actually runs up the ramp and starts uh what would you call it when you're when it has <laughs> no hands in its um is it pawing is yeah, it they'd call it yeah you pawing, know it's yeah. trying to rescue its friends out of the car mm-hmm. so guess what i have to reenact that <laughs> or i have to reenact that now at home no horse knows that its other horses are in some trapped car and it's going to go save it and free it right but all of these movies that my children are watching majority of them are about animals and majority of them are going and doing things that we see from the human perspective, from the yeah. human mind. And I don't necessarily know that, that that's wrong, as long as, as a parent, you're doing your job of teaching, hey, these animals can't really talk. These right. animals don't don't really know when, when somebody else dies. or Right. So where and, and why do we do it, and why is it becoming a problem? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the real problem, though, with this? Well, I, I really want to get into what I believe the biggest danger is i want to save that for the very end but just speaking on more levels i mean we can really start to develop inappropriate behaviors towards animals and there's a full spectrum there and i'll let your mind go wherever wherever it wants to go but i'm going to even talk about just just wild animals and and so we're going to say a lot of times when wild animals are taken in or rescued it is because people have looked at this animal put human thought and emotion to what they think this animal is saying to them. And now they're taking this animal out of its environment where it was probably okay. And if it wasn't, the natural causes just needed to take their place. And now we've removed it and money and time have to be put into this wild animal that really needs to be wild uh, because we've put human emotion and feeling to this animal when in most, in all reality, it probably isn't even biologically capable of feeling those things we can you know (laughs) see a lot of this one and as i'm going to say this you're probably either thinking i know somebody like this or man i've kind of done this but overfeeding our pets Mm -hmm. we think that our pets are always hungry or that they need to eat as much as we do or we see a lot of overweight pets most vets are going to acknowledge that the majority of their patients are overweight, and one right. of the biggest battles they have to battle with with people is overfeeding their pets. I've got a really, I've got a good example of that. My son just got two guinea pigs, and anytime, anywhere in the house, honestly, anytime that you move a wrapper, um, let's say you have a Ziploc bag and you open it, a, a paper bag and it crinkles, these guinea pigs start going crazy mm-hmm. because. They've registered that their bag sounds like that with the food in it. Well, they're doing this all day. Like even my son's uh, got, went and got a, a bag of a puzzle bag, and we were opening a brand new puzzle up. And these guys are going crazy. We're opening a puzzle. That got me to thinking. Like I bet they're hungry. I bet they're hungry. So every time I hear, I bet they're hungry. And then I'd ask my son, "Did you feed them?" Right. Well, I thought, you know what? I bet my son's not feeding them enough. So I went and read the bag. And we're only supposed to feed them one-eighth of a cup one time a day. So we've been doing that one time every evening. But because they come out and they make this this kind of a cute sound, it almost guilts me into saying, you know what? They want food. 
they need food, but it is working for them mm-hmm. because we do feed them carrots and other snacks and hay throughout the day. So they're getting their food of a night, but they are getting a little bit more because of the snacks that we bring right. because of their noise they make. So it's working for them. Oh, yeah. That's a good example, though. Yeah, they're, they're making this noise. So, yeah. Oh, they, they must. Oh, they, they, they really are hungry. hungry. Right. Yeah, they really need it. Right. Yeah, and that, that's, that's our tendency. That's what we do. It's so natural for us to anthropomorphize, especially animals. So that really begs the next question that I want to answer. Why do we do it? And, and how I'm going to answer that is, is really just in my own words. And naturally, we are humans, so we understand humans. We explain things in human ways. Our perspective is a human. We've never been anything else. You can't think from the perspective of a squirrel. You can't think from the perspective of a raccoon, a deer. You cannot think from this perspective or have any understanding from the perspective of any animal. So, of course, our perspective and the way we are going to explain and understand anything is from a human. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's natural. Of course, it's easy for us to do that because it's the only thing that we know. You know, it is a form of communication. I mean, you know, some of your past stories you've talked about um, at a past place you worked, you gave trees trees names that had tree stands in them. You had areas that your tree stands were in you gave names to. Um, but that works because it's a form of communication. It's, it's so that the other humans that are around you, you guys are building better relationship, better communication, so that you know where you're at. You know where you're going. Right. You're not naming that because because the tree needed a name. Right. You just kind of made me... Th- <laughs> I, you just made me think of this right here in the moment. I have heard it done, you know, anthropomorphizing plants, trees. We'll use a tree since you just said that example. A tree is alive, as is any animal is alive. However, it is so rare for people to give emotion, human emotion, to trees and plants as it is compared to giving that to animals. And that is because people know trees, even though they're alive, they don't have brains. But yet we look at animals, and without truly understanding their biology, the structure of how their body is built, we just automatically start giving them human emotions and human feelings, even though humans biologically are so incredibly different than these animals. Yes. I don't feel the same way about a marigold as I do an opossum. Right. <laughs> and I don't even, I don't know, opossums are kind of gross, but <laughs> let's just say a cat or mm-hmm. a dog, right? There is a connection that we have. With I don't. Animals. I don't want to. We do have relationships with animals. Correct. I don't want to diminish that fact. I Good. mean, like I said, I've worked with so many animals. Um, I mean, I, I've worked with elk that would literally. I've. I'm going to say I got to know them, and they got to know me, and they would come eat out of my hand. And that particular elk actually got gored and killed, and I did feel emotion indicating relationship i did feel emotion this kind of little bit of man that stinks because you really spent like time that. with this animal you you exhausted your time energy resources in caring for this animal right but did at any point that animal become more important than any human around you right and i would hope you would say no right at, at at the second that 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 elk would have developed the habit for for charging humans or guests 
in the park where this this elk was located, then I would have had to dispatch or relocate maybe even this elk away from those people because these people who I don't even know are more important to me than this elk that I have relationship with. And and people do get sad when their dogs die. People get sad when horses and, and there's years and years of, of bond and caring for it, but it it, it isn't it isn't the same. Correct. It isn't the same. Yeah. You're not speaking to them. Am I gonna say you can't communicate to them? No. But a dog doesn't understand fully what you're saying. Right. They don't know what you're saying. And, and proof of that is, say I love you, but do it in an angry tone. Your dog's going to go cower in the corner mm-hmm. because of the tone that you made. They don't actually know that you're saying I love you. It's all about your tone, your face, your demeanor towards these animals. And they can interpret that. And I also want to say I will acknowledge that through the animal kingdom, Animals have different abilities to have relationship, but even at the highest level, which people are going to say is apes, chimpanzees, mm-hmm. it still isn't human. It's still so far from human. They're still not faced with eternity, with heaven and hell. They're not faced with their actions. So today, there are animals that we bring into our homes and perhaps treat like human. And we're just saying, be careful in that. You have other animals that we domesticate like cattle, horses. You know, cattle we raise, we have dominion over, but we raise to slaughter, to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, um, deer, whether you're raising them in a high fence or you're out wild hunting for them in a wild, they're a game species that we are going out to hunt, to harvest, to eat. You know, there are some animals like dogs, we don't harvest to eat them. But we still have dominion. We want to raise them. We want to care for them. But they are not equal to humans or above humans ever, right. any human. Because the moment you do, you're, you're anthropomorphizing them. You're putting them above humans. And then you have the other side where humans begin to dehumanize who humans are, wanting to become animals. That's dangerous. There are so many roads to go down on this. I do want to bring up one more point, though, and I've been hearing a lot of this. It's kids wearing tails to school. That's what started this, is kids wearing tails, actual fur-looking fox-like tail to school. And you and I have kind of been out of the school system in regards to teaching in the school system. We did a little of that um, in years past, um, kind of getting into more homeschool now, so even getting a little bit farther away from it. But there are kids that are wearing tails to school. Some people are saying not a big deal. But that is a form of anthropomorphism, or you can get into zoomorphism if you want to. Right. Either being, you know, one being the opposite of the other. Um, Either way, though, we're still going to call it anthropomorphism. And why this can be very unhealthy is because according to thehealthjournal.com, Tails are a clothing accessory worn by those who identify with, in quotes, furry. So there's now what we call a furry culture. Our tails, or the tails that they're wearing, the person sharing this is, is calling it our tails, I'm guessing, because they wear one. Our tails are a form of expression, a way of saying, hey, we're furry and we're proud. Mm-hmm. Even if it stopped right there, okay. You know, someone wearing an accessory like a bracelet, a necklace, but the question is, we're not just wearing tails. It's not even a question. 
what's happening is they're not just wearing tails, they're also getting into wearing cat ears, starting to wear collars, starting right. to wear leashes, wearing all these things to school. So if we just stopped right there, we would say, why are why are these humans wanting to be animal-like? What's well, really devaluing, Ben, when I hear that, every human wants to be loved, to be valued, to be cherished. We all want to be lifted up and feel like we're cared for and wanted. And God tells us that we are of more value. Mm-hmm. We are of more value than the animals. So why would you devalue yourself? Why would you diminish yourself to an animal? Why would you do that? I, you know, why would you? I don't know. But today, people are p- bringing animals up as humans. You know, we should take care of all animals. We've said this probably 15 times already on, on this podcast. But there are animals that belong outside. And that's okay. There are dogs that were raised outside and will always be outside. Mm-hmm. They have a dog house. They have food. They have water. You know, we also have to use our brains. We have dominion over these animals. For example, there are dogs that have been bred, short-haired dogs, because of their breeding, can't be outside. Right. So they shouldn't be. They don't have an undercoat. Right. They're bred away from having an undercoat. They have hair much more like humans, and it would be irresponsible for a human to stick them out in the cold. Because we made them that way. We bred them that way to be that way, so we have to take care of them. But that doesn't mean now that all dogs must be indoors. Right. That all that all these animals when it drops below freezing have to go inside. When animals are But if it's your animal and you want it to be inside, then go ahead and bring it inside. You can. But when it starts dehumanizing or Mm -hmm. taking away from other humans in the home you know, I have seen ponies, like there are people that are raising these horses, these miniature horses, indoors. Okay, I'm, okay, I can get behind that, but what's the point? What, what are we getting to? And getting down this road of... You ever, seen, you ever seen a dog birthday cake? A dog birthday cake? What do you mean? I haven't, no. People buy birthday cakes for their dogs, and, you know, the dog is literally thinking this is food, this is a treat, they're so excited and happy, they have no cognition that it's their birthday, they don't know what a birthday is, they have no idea. Right. And... and it's okay until it crosses this line of animals are humans, mm-hmm. right? And the opposite of what I'm getting to here, because when I started looking down and getting into this, these kids are wearing cat ears and tails and leashes to school. For those parents that are listening that that may say, you know, that is a concern, I want you to, to, you can just go to furscience.com, F-U-R-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com, and spend some time there. Um, There's nothing on there that um, is nasty, but the information that's being shared is very confusing to me, and the information that is being shared is anthropomorphic. I want to read this. This is according to Vox.com, B-O-X.com. His name is Dylan Matthew, and he explains that. Furries are people with an interest in anthropomorphized animals. So I gave you examples earlier like Sonic the Hedgehog and Pokemon. That's what they're doing here. And there are gatherings where people put on full-body costumes of foxes and maybe some of these animals that we're talking about. But as you get into fur science and and you start kind of looking at this culture, now it is becoming a lifestyle. Um the first one is, what is a furry? A furry is a fan of media that features animal characters doing human things, like walking and talking. So examples of famous anthropomorphic animal characters, Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse. 
you know, they're using uh, Zootopia is another movie my kids watch. It's all of these. Every single character in Zootopia is an animal that is walking and talking like a human. As an adult, letting my kids watch this stuff, I'm okay with them watching it. But the moment that they start saying, well, you know what? If that fox on that cartoon can do that, then why can't I be a fox? Now, now we honestly are starting to cross a line because humans are more important than any other creature because the Bible tells us that, tells us that, that God made us in his image. You know, there is actually a point, too, on the animal side. Because I'm an animal lover, I want to point this out, that there is a point where anthropomorphism actually becomes a detriment to the animals. It right. is a threat to the welfare of animals. And I want to give a few examples of that and kind of explain what, I, what I'm talking about. People have expectations of their animals. You'll hear people say, oh, you should have known better. Or, don't you feel guilty for chewing up my... Don't you feel guilty for chewing up my couch? Or oh, he, that dog got bit by, by a snake. He should have known better to stay away. Well, once you start giving should have known better to an animal, they don't know better because they're an animal. They are not thinking like humans. They are not perceiving danger. That's why animals die all the time. That's why animals run across the road and get hit. Yeah, humans know better than to run across the road, but animals do not. We shouldn't consider them to know better. So if you have animals in your care, then you shouldn't have this attitude of, well, you should know better. Or when they do misbehave, oh, they, they better feel guilty. Well, they're, they're, they're not feeling guilty because they were just acting really out of instinct. Right. I'm going to share a story with this one. People feeding their pets like humans. I feel like I've seen it more and more. Maybe I've just become more and more aware of it. When I used to wait tables back in the day, every Friday night, I shouldn't say every Friday night. I called him a Friday night regular. Most Friday nights, he would come in, usually towards the very, very end of the shift, sit in my section. Very nice guy. He always got a cheeseburger and fry and a cheeseburger and fry to go. So he would sit, he would eat his cheeseburger and fry, but he would have me bring out his cheeseburger and fry to go right towards the end of when he was finishing up. I would put it in. Really, once he got his food, I would get his other one cooking so that as he was finishing up, he had this fresh one to go. And about the third or fourth time, I finally asked him, who's the other cheeseburger and fry for? Well, it wasn't a who, it was a what. He said, oh, well, my dog is out in the car. My dog's always with me, so that's his supper. So he was feeding his dog the same supper he was feeding himself. Thinking that there was an emotional connection of if, I, if I'm going to eat a cheeseburger, then my dog, right. I guess, should eat cheeseburger too. Because, I mean, a bag of dog food, a scoop of dog food would work in replace right. of that. But at the end of the day, that's not a healthy diet for a dog. Right. It's too much for a dog. And it's just food for your dog. They don't really, there's not this distinguish of, oh, he got me a cheeseburger today instead of my dog. I love the taste of cheeseburgers over. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just that they're getting this this food in a, in a lot of it. So I never saw his dog. If I were to speculate, it maybe was overweight. But I do remember him telling me, I don't remember the exact species, but I, I do remember, or the exact breed, but I do remember him telling me, whatever it was, and thinking, oh, that's a small dog to be eating a cheeseburger and fry, and what are you feeding it every other day of the week, you know? Right. Um, but that's just an example, and we've probably all heard of people f- treating animals that way. And another one is this, and, and this this is sad and almost kind of oxymoronic. People that are vegan, that don't believe in harming animals at all, so they make sure that their diet is free of any animal products, 
they actually have dogs and cats that they put on vegan diets as well. The irony in that is it a, no vegan diet can pr- provide the nutrients that carnivorous animals like dogs and cats need. They cannot do it. No vet is going to suggest you to do that. So in their anthropomorphizing animals, it led them to not wanting to harm animals in, or use animal products in any way so much so that they're now harming their own animals that they love. And so anthropomorphism is not only a threat to humans, it's also a threat to the very animals that we're supposed to be caring for. It can lead us to not be caring for them, their welfare, the way that we should be. So yeah, Brian, we do have to be careful that we don't bring this humanness to animals. On the other side, we have to be careful because humans aren't animals either. God has given human beings a real relationship, a relationship with him. And he makes it really clear that no other creation, nothing else in creation that he created has a relationship with him like humans. For me, the devil is trying to attack us, trying to destroy what a human is. And he's been doing it for years and years and years. And and though it's been little and, and, me growing up and, and not even realizing some of this information that's being shared. I just want to make for sure that, that as I'm raising my children, that I'm helping to understand what a human is and, and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. Also, what an animal is and how important it is for us to care for every single animal that's out there, but to also respect it enough that when I harvest it to eat it, that is okay. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if I flip it and say that animals and humans are humans and animals, then what's wrong with a human being put down like an animal? Well, it's this this whole evolutionary standpoint and this whole belief of our origin being that, that we've all came from these smaller organisms that have transitioned into other organisms over these millions of years. Because if you believe that, well, now you believe that every organism that's ever transitioned, ever evolved from another one, has equal rights. They all have equal rights. So I'd ask you, do you really want to believe that all animals have equal rights to humans? And, and then so... If you're going to say, well, maybe chimpanzees should have equal rights to humans because they're close on the cognitive level, and I've already tried to explain that they're really not, well, then why are you distinguishing between a chimpanzee and a roly-poly? Do you want the whole spectrum to have equal Equal rights? rights. And this this goes back to Charles Darwin's and all these Richard Dawkins and all these fathers of, of evolution. They want it to be portrayed, and the devil most of all, wants it to be trade that humans and animals are the same. He wants that. That makes him happy. When you have an animal that gets sick, you take it to the veterinarian. Right. If they can't fix it or you can't afford to fix it, what do they do to it, Brian? They, they euthanize it. They euthanize it. They right. put it down. Humans shouldn't be put down. No. There are so many routes that we can talk about in this. Well, when we do it for animals, it's thought of this this loving and this caring process, like Oh, this animal's sick and it's hurting. We got to put him out of their misery. We we're going to euthanize him, and it's thought to be loving and caring. And and you know what? It probably is. But humans are of more value. We don't do this to humans. It only is because it's the intent of the heart. Right. We're 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 doing it because we understand that if it is in pain and there's nothing we can do, the best option for it is death. We're doing that out of the intent of mm-hmm. 
it's it's the correct intent. I'm not doing it out of malice. I'm right. not going out and and killing an animal because it needs to die. There's no point in that. Speaking of malice, you know there are a lot of animal extremist groups that have taken this anthropomorphism thing to a to the next level that animals and humans should all be treated the same and they've literally turned into to domestic terrorism groups they've stormed businesses and corporations and stole and vandalized yet these companies i'm not even going to call them companies these groups these animal extremist groups have billions in, in offshore accounts because they've tied in the human emotion to the animal emotion and they can go through all these ads and get all these donations because People love animals, they do, and then they make the animals like humans, and it, it is just a cash flow. So they've gotten rich off anthropomorphizing animals, yet they're they are criminalizing, they they're being criminals themselves, vandalizing and, and being domestic terrorists. Yeah, there's there's animals out there that actually have um, better life insurance than you and I do. There's yeah. there are, are famous people's animals that that supposedly when they die are worth. <laughs> So much more than you and I. So I want to end with this, Ben. You asked me a question off mic before we started. Really trying to, to hone in on, on why this matters. You asked me, is anthropomorphism a threat to salvation? Because at the end of the day, that's really what we should be asking about every everything we're faced. Is this a threat to my salvation? Right. And the answer I'm going to say is yes. Because if you're going down this road of believing that anthropomorphism is real that animals have human characteristics, then you are agreeing with evolution that we've all evolved through this process. You aren't believing in a creator. You aren't believing in a creator that sent his son to the earth to die for your sins. So I'm going to say yes. You can go too far down this road of anthropomorphism because if you are truly believing, truly believing that animals feel and have the same emotions, you're putting us on an equal playing field, then you are totally going against God's word that we are of more value to him and that we face judgment we face eternal in heaven and hell we face that not animals so I hope that that's really what you're impacted with here today um, you know I want to challenge I want to I want to leave a challenge with anyone listening if you're the person that that has an animal in your life and you place that animal above other people I just want to challenge you Think about, is that something you're doing? And if so, should you be? Mm-hmm. That's a hard challenge for all of us to, to stop and think about. If, do you have an animal in your life that you're putting above humans? And if you are, you might think about how you can start placing people before animals. Yes, we need to, we need to place more regard for people. You know, this, this is really wrapping up our Evolution versus Creation series. We hope that all these messages have been in as impactful for you as it has been for us going through this. We're going to start another series next week really looking at how us as humans have looked at creation to become inventors. We have looked at God's design to really mimic and copy it and, and, and bring some awesome inventions to our world technology to be used based off of what He created. Please help us by following Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those social media accounts. Whatever platform you're listening on, please hit the automatic download and subscribe button. Also, please leave us a review. That really helps us to go up the charts. Word of mouth is awesome, too. Let somebody know about the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We are going to be back on Thursday with another episode. We're going to have a guest speaker on. We haven't had one in a while. We're super 
excited about that. That is it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Between now and the next episode, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandel. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.